Hello everybody, welcome back and I hope you're doing well wherever you are. Thanks again for tuning in and I'm so glad to have you here. This past week there was some good news. At long last, the federal government announced that they were going to allow their last remaining pandemic restrictions to expire on October 1st. Essentially, Arrive Can, or Arrive Can't as it's popularly known, will become optional. In addition to this, testing and quarantine requirements for those entering Canada, as well as mask mandates on planes and trains, will no longer be in place. So it seems like finally we're getting closer to joining the rest of the world uh, in hopefully putting the pandemic behind us. Canada, as you know, something that I've been pointing out for months now, has been an extreme outlier in terms of how long stringent restrictions have been maintained in the face of a retreating pandemic. Today, I'm pleased to welcome back Sean Rickard and Carl Harrison. You might recall, Sean and Carl are two British-born entrepreneurs, uh, Canadians, who uh, brought a civil lawsuit against the federal government's vaccine mandate for travel. You might also recall that last month, uh, based on the cross-examination of key government witnesses uh, by their attorney, Sam Presvalos, I broke the story for Barry Weiss's Common Sense platform that the government, the Trudeau government's uh, vaccine mandate for travel had no scientific rationale. Now, after the go federal government suspended the vaccine mandates, both for travel and for the civil service on June 16th, the attorney general filed a mootness motion. Basically, the government's position is that uh, now that these mandates have been suspended, the lawsuit challenging them um, is no longer relevant. It is now moot and therefore should be dismissed. On September 21st, the Federal Court of Canada under Judge Jocelyn Gagné began hearing submissions for press laws and lawyers representing the Attorney General, uh, which I attended via Zoom. We're still awaiting a decision from the judge on whether she thinks the case is moot or not. If it's not, then the case gets its day in court. Now, here's why I think the case deserves its day in court. Um, it's not just for Sean and Carl, but for the millions of Canadians whose lives were drastically affected by the vaccine mandates. And for those of us who cherish our constitutionally guaranteed individual rights and liberties. The case also has wider implications and significance when it comes to things like public scrutiny and accountability. Now, if the federal court were to side with the government and basically agreeing that the case is moot because the mandates have now been suspended or lifted, it would effectively legitimize this practice of restricting our constitutionally protected rights and freedoms so long as the restrictions are removed before the courts have a chance to hold the government to account. As a matter of fact, let's not forget that the Trudeau government used a version of this uh, tactic already. Uh, remember the Emergencies Act, uh, in which they invoked uh, to um, uh, get rid of the protesters uh, from the Freedom Convoy protest this uh, past February? Well, the government withdrew it just before uh, it came up for a debate in the Senate. Now, none of this is good for a society that's governed by the rule of law. So, to talk about the mootness hearing and where we go from here, please welcome Sean and Carl to the show. Sean and Carl, welcome welcome back to my show. It's great to have you here. Um, so let me begin uh, with uh, let me begin with this question. Can either of you give me a brief summary um, of uh, what happened uh, in court on September 21 with the mootness hearing? 
Go ahead, Carl. <laughs> sure. Um, yes, yes, we can. We, we can. Um, and obviously, we, we have to be cautious because the you know that we don't have a decision from the court on this, and um, mm -hmm. so Assistant Chief Justice Gagne is still considering the pleadings that were made to her uh, last Wednesday. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we we had a whole day in court um, in front of a, um, uh, Judge Gagne, um, and um, all four cases. Uh, challenging the travel mandates uh, were represented there. So ourselves, um, represented by um, our lawyer Sam Presvelos and uh, the Brian Peckford group, represented by Keith Wilson and Ava from JCCF, and uh, and Maxine Bernier was there as well in person with um, his uh, attorney Sam Bouchand and um, and then uh, Nabil Benoum from uh, Quebec, who's representing himself, and all. Um, Four parties made representations, um, and obviously the government um, made pleadings as well, explaining why they thought that the issue was now moot. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, all the four cases are strongly opposing that. Um, and uh, we set out very clearly, I think, why the issues um, are, are not moot, um, not least because the government continues to make it very clear that they could bring all or some of the measures back at any time. Um, and uh, we have to wait now and see whether um, uh, Judge Gagné is um, willing to grant the government its wishes and set the and dismiss the cases. We, we obviously hope not. And if mm -hmm. if she decides that one or more of the cases should go forward, then they'll go forward on the 31st of uh, October for five days in the same court and in, also in front of ACJ Gagné. And um, we, we, we'll, we'll hopefully get the opportunity to present our case in full, and that would also give the government a chance to explain itself, I mm -hmm. think, to Canadians more widely as to uh, how we arrived at this point. So that's, I think, a, a fair summary of where we are. We, we don't know when we'll get a decision from Judge Gagne, mm -hmm. that it, it could be, you know, in days or it, it, she, she could take a, um, a few weeks. She's reserved judgment, of course. It's a complicated motion mm -hmm. and it has um, substantial uh, uh, implications. Um, right. And we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the implications a little later on. Uh, Sean, do you want to jump in and uh, add anything to what Carl said? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It, it's it, we're, we're kind of um you know hanging here right now waiting for this decision and, and we totally understand why it would take you know it, it that we've 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 heard rumors it could be anywhere from 10 to 14 days to receive a judgment mm -hmm. it may go longer as carl said but at the end of the day there's a there's a lot of evidence that needs to be that she has to sort through uh, a lot of things to consider I think um, my impression was when we were in court was that she she did sit up and take notice. I, do, I don't think it was um, she was dismissive in any way. And I think she was fair. And I think um, I, I'm confident. I, I, I really am in the fact that it, 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 it's I've got this crazy analogy that some people might uh, jump on me for. But it it's almost like, you know, you, you're an abuse. You've been abusing somebody. 
and you go to court and it's like, well, I'm not doing it anymore and I'm probably not going to do it again. So it's kind of moot now. But mm. I mean, that's kind of where we feel we are right now. We've been fighting this case for um, close to a year. I mean, I started mm. this whole initiative back in October of 2022. And, um, you know, the amount of time, money, effort, blood, sweat, tears, everything that's gone into this. Um, and, and also not to forget, very important, the what we uncovered during the cross-examination process of this whole proceedings, that needs to be heard in a court. Um, I don't think this is something that can be just sort of shrugged off or swept under the rug. This needs to go the, the full duration, right to the end. They need to let us get to that finish line yeah. and at least let a judge decide whether constitutional rights were violated, um, you know, whether other violations were were involved here with regard to the, the claims of the science and then the science not being there when they implemented the, the mandate. So just to cut myself off there, yeah, it's very important. Um, and um, we're, we're hoping and, and we have our fingers and toes crossed that we'll get to a uh, final hearing here. Um, so, um, so, you know, Sean and Carl, I mean, uh, uh, I wonder how much of the government uh, dropping the last remaining measures on travel this past mo Monday had to do with your case. How much of that had to do with the fact that Pierre Polyevre was recently elected as leader of the Conservative Party? Um, do you have any views on that? 100 okay. percent okay go for um, it <laughs> no, no, i'll let carl go sorry i mean to jump in but yeah yeah no i mean i mean i think there's many factors at play here i i would yeah. i would never um i would never be so uh, brazen or bold to assume that pierre polyev never had anything to do with this i i to be clear i voted um in the leadership base and i voted for pierre polyev and i would vote for him in a general election right now um i don't think that anybody should be claiming um full responsibility for these mandates i think our, our lawsuits which again have been going on for almost a year in the court and not just ours the other three as well uh, the peckford case the bernier and the bills case of all um kind of we, we've we've made the government sit up and take notice um there, there's things that have been revealed in these cases that they probably don't want the public to know about which we'll get into the mainstream media not covering this in this story for the last year in a moment. But uh, I, I think we definitely had some, um, mm -hmm. we were responsible in some way for these mandates being lifted. Um, I, I don't see how it couldn't. And, and the fact that the government is so adamant about our case never being heard. I mean, they've been throwing these motions at us since the beginning, if you remember, Right back at the start, they tried to uh, they filed a motion to have Carl and I's um, just for the viewers who are catching up to have our uh, affidavits stricken from the record. They didn't want a judge to read our affidavits. Why? Um, and now we're we're at a point where they, you know, conveniently suspend the mandates. And now, literally a day or two later, they file a motion for mootness that this case shouldn't be heard and this case should be heard. And I'll hand it over to Carl on that note. I, I think all of Sean's uh, points there are fair, and it's definitely a combination of factors. Um, obviously, uh, Pierre Polyev's 
certainly warming up in the house now and you can see that he's having an impact and she's looking more and more confident and making it more and more difficult for the prime minister and for the uh, deputy prime minister to actually deal with him so there obviously is going to be a government concern and there's lots and there are two or three polls in recent days are all showing the liberal party sliding behind um, the conservative party i mean perhaps as um, people move back to uh, the Conservative Party from the People's Party uh, from the 2021 election. I, I don't really know, but there are certainly some polls that are indicating that seven or eight point differences emerging, and that's going to cause a problem for the Liberals. I'm, I'm sure that in the Prime Minister's office, there's lots of people hard at work trying to figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. um, and there was always um, a problem for uh, the Prime Minister, that he would face, if he faced Pierre Polyev in the House. Polyev seems more agile, um, you know, intellectually, he seems more humorous, he just seems to present the points better. And when I was in Ottawa last week for the hearing, I went to question period on the uh, Thursday um, in the House and listened, and you could see that at the time. You could see that um, the front bench of the government is concerned about Pierre Polyev. He's he's nimble and, and agile, and, and they'll find him difficult to deal with. So that's obviously a factor. Our cases, all four of them, are certainly a factor. And another factor is just the the, the overwhelming energy of connect, millions of Canadians, whether vaccinated or unvaccinated or not, who just think this is wrong and have poured their heart and soul into uh, their keyboards and have... Um, delivered the Prime Minister a, a harsh blow through various uh, um, uh, hashtags on Twitter, for example, such as Trudeau must go, must which go, is, yeah. and so on and so forth. Um, and some of those people were very grateful too for actually coming to the hearing in Ottawa last week. We actually had some uh, supporters um, who were there and those are exactly the people, those those people um, are, you know, very much also responsible for forcing yeah. the government to reconsider its position. Yeah, I was going to ask you what, um, uh, how many people showed up to the hearing and uh, either in person or via Zoom, uh, was there a good turnout, generally speaking? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's uh, um, a long journey to water for a lot yeah. of people, so it was local people and certainly, mm -hmm. you know, maybe 30 to 50 people are arrived at the courthouse and uh, mm -hmm. that was great to see and they spoke mm -hmm. to us and the other applicants and um, and some of them watched the whole uh, proceedings for the whole day uh, inside the court inside the uh, court entrance where they were uh, you know the, the court uh, set that up so that people mm -hmm. could could watch it there and I, I mean I, I think there were approaching 5,000 people watching it online and this is very very important um, mm. because it shows that there's intense public interest in the mm -hmm. case and yeah. you'll remember that when you wrote your piece for uh, Barry Weiss's Common Sense and that was picked mm -hmm. up by media all over the world um, that uh, the federal court went to a very unusual step one that I understand they've never done before going to uh, social media Twitter in particular to um, send out a link to the documents so that members of the public and Can Canadians generally could actually see Mm -hmm. what you were talking about what what you were yeah. speaking of and um yeah. so obviously the court's very very well aware and we'll mm -hmm. know that you know justice gagne is very aware 
that yeah. there is public interest. Yeah, I was uh, really taken aback when the Federal Court of Canada tweeted um, saying that given the extraordinary interest in this case, we're making this link available to members of the public. And uh, um, and I, yeah, I was told by many people that this has never happened before. Um, so um, yeah, no, it was very very unusual. Um, back to the uh, back to the hearing, um, uh, uh, Sean and Carl. I was struck by something that the counsel for the attorney general was saying, uh, and it was something that was repeated uh, several times during the court of the proceedings, uh, when Robert Drummond, um, uh, I believe he's counsel for the Attorney General, he argued, and I quote him, I think it's fair to say that there is no evidence that such travel measures are returning. The statements made by the ministers are political statements and press releases, not legal statements. Uh, when I heard this, my reaction was one of amazement. I couldn't believe that we were being told to ignore statements by politicians because they have no legal force. Um, what was your reaction? Was it similar? Uh, did uh, did any of this make sense to you? It was the same. Uh, we we had the exact same reaction. It, it's mm -hmm. it's just incredible that um, it, it's almost like they were throwing these ministers under the bus because I mean the, these these were the these were the individuals that were responsible for bringing these mandates in and, and putting them in place. Again, this did we got to remember, and we, we can maybe get into this in a bit. This didn't go through a legislative process. This this was like an executive order signed off by a minister. So when these ministers who bring in these mandates then go on on television and make these announcements that that they're literally going to be, um, you know, initially preventing people who are not vaccinated from getting a plane, a train, um, or a ship, and um, and then you know, subsequently in June, then saying that they're going to sus temporarily suspend the mandates and make it very clear in their announcements that they can, they'll bring them back at any time if they feel, if they see fit. And then for the uh, Attorney General's counsel to say, oh, well, don't listen to them. Um, you can't take that, you know, verbatim. It, it's, that's mm -hmm. just them talking. That's just a minister talking. It, 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 yeah. It's not legal. Um yeah, it's just astonishing. Absolutely yeah, astonishing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think our lawyer, Sam Prozelos, commented on that and, and rightly so, pointing out that we, we live in a country, we live in a democracy where the words, words that mean something don't have to come out of the mouth of a lawyer. Yeah. And, I, I, I did. And I think that yeah. resonated with... The judge. With the judge. It, it's yeah. quite extraordinary that the... Mm -hmm the attorney general would suggest that the Canadian people should ignore a formal public statement from the mouths of three government ministers. Um, yeah. And it's more extraordinary that another cabinet member would suggest that the court and Canadians should indeed do that. Yeah, I, I liked what Sam Preslaus had to say. Uh, Sam, unfortunately, couldn't join us on the podcast. Uh, but this is what he said. He said, uh, my friend, referring to the Attorney General, would like this court to believe uh, that media statements don't matter. They're not legal statements. Uh, I'm not sure what type of democracy we exist in if we cannot trust the truthfulness of statements being made by government ministers. And uh, that's a great point. You know, what kind of democracy is this if we cannot tr trust the statements made by government ministers, right? Well, or um, or in the case you have an attorney general essentially mm -hmm. telling you to ignore them, 
ignore them and dismiss yeah. it. You know, don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Carl. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, Carl. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think what's what's interesting that we've we've seen recently in the last few days mm -hmm. is um, as the, the governments move to um, close or try to turn the page on um, its remaining measures at the border. We've seen other um, heavyweights weighing in now. So we saw was the Air Canada yesterday releasing a statement which wasn't covered by the mainstream media almost at all and remains on Newswire and in a couple of other places, but quite a remarkable statement from Air Canada, which um, says this, it says, Air Canada welcomes the removal of these restrictions, acknowledging that air travel is safe and that the measures were not justified by science. <laughs> which is an extraordinary that is extraordinary statement. yeah that is extraordinary. Um, and you wonder how long they've been wanting to say that mm -hmm. or how <laughs> long they've been aware that the measures were not justified by science and i wonder in the wording whether they're suggesting that the government by removing the restrictions is acknowledging the measures were not justified by science or whether that's yeah. the opinion of air canada but, well, but it's I, kind of I, ironic that they were one yeah. of the most um heavy-handed enforcers of said exactly management. they usually did that if uh government ministers were on the same flight i have noticed that every time there was a government minister on a flight to ottawa they would repeat three or four times that you had to keep your mask on and but the compliance just kept um you know just kept um you know it was wasn't really um that they weren't enforcing it uh, at least the last couple of months that i've been flying uh, there's been hardly any compliance except when you fly to ottawa uh, because there's usually a government minister on board, I I, I think. Um, yeah. Didn't you, Carl, last week when we left Ottawa? Yeah, no, I, I flew out of yeah, I flew out of Ottawa, and it was um, yeah, certainly at the airport, and certainly it was, and on on the flight, it was uh, mm -hmm. fairly rigid enforcement. But that all seems set to, or they certainly seem set to not yeah. renew that at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, I heard from some people who tuned into the Zoom hearing that uh, the government almost seemed kind of heartless in defending its case. Um, did it uh, come across that way to you at all? They, they're, they're... <laughs> I gotta watch what I say here. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think these um, these lawyers are a special kind of people, and, yeah. and they've kind of expressed that. It, it's nothing new to us since, I mean, at the, the beginning it was, but I, mm -hmm. I think they're very um, calculated and, and, and they have a job to do, right? In fairness, um, yeah. their job is to defend one side. Our lawyer is 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 to get our crazy case across. But mm -hmm. yeah, they, they can be very cold and calculated, as can yeah. the bureaucrats, uh, as you saw in some of the um, transcripts from the, yes. the cross-examinations. Yeah. I'll yeah. leave it at that before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, Sean summarized it well there. They got a job yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think these measures and the impact and, and the court cases are very important for all Canadians, not mm -hmm. those Canadians who have chosen to not be, uh, not have the injections, um, but everybody, uh, the, the, the consequences of allowing a government to be able to dictate people's health at a micro managed level like this are extraordinarily broad and dangerous 
and need to be addressed and challenged by by the courts. Um, So sadly, whilst it does affect millions of Canadians, governments, authoritarian governments, governments with unusual motives and sometimes malign intentions have always managed to find people that they can employ to enable them to do it. It's not like everybody turns around and says, we're not going to help you with that. There's always going to be somebody there who's going to do that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, people have a job to do. We understand that. Uh, I'd hope in doing that job that the people doing it consider how these measures might impact them in a wider way going forward, unless we consider them as a as a, as a country now. There was another point, too, that um, <clears throat> that some people missed. Some I, 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 We talked about it on the day, Carl, but um, the fact that they, they never if you notice whenever they're talking about these mandates and, and you got to remember we're in, we're in a hearing that's trying to declare our cases moot but they never close the door on anything they always leave the door open just in case right it's because even um i forget his name the first gentleman up for the um for the attorney general's counsel um but even he said that that um you know it it's, it's unlikely that they're going to have to do this again. But if they do, it'll be under different circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll worry about that when it happens. But right now it's moot. But they, yeah. they're always hinting that they can bring it back at any time or they may have to bring it back or however the wording is. And yeah. even Trudeau's been doing that the last few days. But and people are starting to pick up on that, too. It's, it's never completely. It's like it's done. It's finished. Go mm-hmm. on with your lives. You know, um, it's never completely over. There's always that right at the end of the conversation, that big but or maybe. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that uh, leads me leads me to my next question, uh, which is related to what you just said, uh, uh, Sean, which is um, what is at stake here in this in the case? In other words, why do you both Sean and Carl? think the case is not moot why shouldn't uh, uh the judge just say yeah case dismissed and uh, why do you think this case deserves its stay in court basically there there are things that have been that the like, people's lives were affected by this and, and until i got into this case i mean my life was affected in one way carl's was affected in another everybody has the mm-hmm. everybody was affected in a different way by this but the fact that people were unable to visit dying relatives um that we've, we've got people on our group husband and wives who haven't seen each other in three years or two and a half years because they if they came back they wouldn't be able they wouldn't be able to leave again and because their husbands i should just clarify you know husbands that work out of the country or um there's also relationships between you know maybe a, a fiance that lives in um lives in the US and somebody lives here or anywhere in the world and and people's lives were turned upside down and um, I mean there's one thing restricting people's mobility rights which in itself I think is a crime in my opinion Um, and we this I guess where I'm going with this in a nutshell is that we need to ensure that this is heard by a judge and that the rationale for doing this is exposed to the public because we know it wasn't based on science we have evidence to prove that and we need to make sure this never ever happens again in the way that it did it can i'm not saying there's ever going to be a situation where you know stringent measures have to be put in place but in under the the situation that we were in and the and and 
the the way that they did it this has this can never happen again and that's why we need it to be heard in court because we're hoping a judge will agree with us on that yeah i mean there is sean articulates that well and there's there's um there are some general reasons why it should be heard the canadians have a right to i think have full public scrutiny of health measures this isn't matter of national security um it doesn't have that sensitivity to it it might be sensitive to the prime minister's office or it might be sensitive to the minister's office but i think there needs to be a full um and transparent understanding of what happened to take us to this point because what we know as sean said from the evidence that you know it wasn't based on a scientific rationale neither the public health agency of canada nor health canada recommended these uh, the, the measures to government they were taken within government now there's a, a there's a i can't remember what it is but there's a winston churchill quote which talks about how you should never allow the state apparatus apparatus to get into the hands of of experts and clearly justin trudeau to some extent agrees with him on that when it suits him you know, so expert opinion is important when he needs it, and it's not when he doesn't. But um, there are some specifics as well that need to be considered. And Sam Prisvelis has argued this in our case, that it shouldn't be an issue for Canadians to have to sacrifice one charter right for another. You know, can I travel or can I maintain my right to um decide what goes into my body do i have to make a choice between my job and my and what goes into my body none of these things are correct or appropriate mm. even in perhaps the most extreme circumstances in the case of covid it was never that extreme and it didn't need to be done in such a way and i think it's possible that by now even the prime minister is learning some lessons but from this and if we think back to his language in the summer of 2021 and how incendiary and inflammatory and divisive and discriminatory it was, then if at the time he had introduced these measures by suggesting that he was doing so reluctantly, he was producing the scientific basis on which he was doing it, he was telling Canadians that he would remove them as soon as possible, he was apologizing for the fact that it would inconvenience millions of Canadians and that he respected their personal choices he would have found himself in a different place by now, probably, but that's not what our prime minister did. He decided to use it as a wedge issue in a political campaign for his personal gain in an election. Yep. And that's why he has millions of Canadians coming out now and speaking against him. And that's, yep. that's going to be his legacy. That mm. those The words he said will ultimately be this prime minister's legacy, not the one he wants, but that's what it's going to be. Right. Sean, did you want to jump in and no, say something? No, I, I just said he literally weaponized it. And not only yeah. weaponized it, it was just done in such a such a vicious, heinous mm -hmm. way. It was it was mm -hmm. just ugly. I mean, we've all seen those videos going around now. Yeah. One thing I did want to touch on was that every time we talk about this, so we put out even the Jordan Peterson video uh, interview that we did with you, Rupert, um, mm -hmm. people are always like, ah, oh, that's that's all fake. Well, I, I'm going to call anybody out now who wants to call this fake. And they, they called our, they actually called our court documents, the transcripts. They called them mm. fake because the, the problem with the, with the, I don't know whether it's the left or just those people over there, they don't 
want to research and do anything. It's literally whatever the mainstream media tells them, mm. whatever the government tells them, we're branded as uh, disinformation or extremists. Um, right. But I'm going to call people out right now. If they want to find me on social media, then go to any of my social media sites. My name's right there. Literally look it up on Facebook, Instagram, or Getter, because uh, I'm banned from Twitter. <laughs> um, and go there, and I have links where you can download a searchable PDF, mm. 1,400 pages of documents, which you went through yourself, Rupert. Yeah. And they can download it and go through and look at exhibits D, F. Um, they're listed right there in the link anyway, mm -hmm. but they can yeah. download the four transcripts and read them for themselves. Yeah. Because I'm getting a bit tired of people literally just coming in and busting in on our social media and saying, you guys are mis disinformation, you're lying, your documents are fake. These are court right. documents of, yeah. of, of government witnesses yeah. under oath testifying in federal court. So if they want to go take a look at it, find me on social media, go download the link. I've put it on all platforms and yeah. read for yourself. That's uh, that's extraordinary, Sean, because that was the initial reaction to my story when I first broke it on August 2nd, that for the first couple of days, people were saying that I was making this up and this uh, there was no such case. And, um, and even a CBC reporter whose beat is... Uh, the federal court or the judicial system in general um, was asking me where he could find these documents. And, uh, and I had to kind of hold his hand and tell him, you know, this is what you need to do. And this is not even my area of expertise. Um, and uh, I had a few of those. I had a few of them contact me. And it just blew my mind that these people were seasoned yeah. journalists, like yeah. big, big publications and TV stations, uh, TV yeah. news. Yeah. And, didn't, and they're asking, how do I get the documents? It's like, what, mm -hmm. you've never requested documents from a federal court? I guess that goes to, to tell us why we get so much um, BS from them on the news, because yeah. they, well, they clearly don't well, know how to do their homework, right? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's a certain amount of naivete here that if the mainstream media doesn't cover it, then it doesn't exist, right? Um, and uh, Worse than that, it's not, it's yeah. not even... It, 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 it's it's almost that people have been conditioned to think that way now. I mean, yeah. look at look at our case. Mm. And and I gotta give you a big shout out here, Rupert. If it wasn't for people like you, um, who who picked up this story in the beginning and, and and you know, and then we worked because of you, it's just it amazes me that the Telegraph, one of the UK's biggest newspapers, published this story <laughs> after reading your piece, right? And they, they wanted you to write a piece for them. It went out on GB News in the UK. It went out on yeah. Sky News, I think, in Australia. It went mm. all over the globe, except Canada. There's yeah. not one mainstream network in Canada that has mentioned this case. And, yeah. and to the point where they've almost, where we've sent them information and they've kind of buried it somewhere yeah. because we yeah. know they have it. We've sent it to them. And they just don't want to report on it. So, and, and it's very disturbing as to why that would be. Because, and I think Jordan Peterson in our interview said it best. It's like one of the biggest stories in you know in, in ten years, and nobody wants to report on it. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it, big it, it's shout out to you anyway. Thank oh, you. Th thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. And Canada I needs more journalists like you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, but honestly, I keep saying this to everybody I, who says this to me that I, um, you know, I wasn't doing anything extraordinary here. I thought that this was interesting and important and I was just doing my job, I guess. And, uh, um, and you know, I'm, 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 I appreciate the support and I, that really means a lot to me. Um, but yeah, I think this case has, um, as I argued in the pages of the National Post today, I believe it's in print today, that when, it, you know, this case has wider significance when it comes to things like accountability, um, that, you know, if the court agrees with the government that the case is moot and therefore should be dismissed because just because the mandates have been suspended, I think it would effectively legitimize, um, you know, this habit or this practice of restricting our rights um, and if the restrictions are removed uh, before the courts have a chance uh, to hear them uh, and to hold the government to account and uh, and, and you know and as, as a matter of fact I mean there's there is precedence for this right uh, you, you might recall that the Trudeau government used a version of this tactic uh, while um, you know by invoking the Emergencies Act uh, and and then withdrew it uh, just before it came up for a debate in the Senate. So uh, and I think if we ch we we live in a law governed society, um, the last time I checked, and and I feel that none of this stuff is good uh, if you, if you live in a law governed society. I think yeah. I, I I don't know if some people will think this is a stretch, but if this case, yeah. Just based on the evidence we have, and obviously, you know, until we, until it's all heard and seen, mm -hmm. you know, we've lived this for, for almost a year now. Yeah. If this case isn't heard yeah. <clears throat> based on the evidence alone, I think our democracy in Canada is in big, big trouble. Mm. I really do. I strongly believe that. Sorry, Carl. No, it's 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 a good point. We we'll, we'll, we were able... Um, in the hearing to draw the court's attention to a recent uh, series of decisions in British Columbia, actually, that were uh, made by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in British Columbia. Uh, and um, those were all ultimately dismissals of challenges to um, uh, mandatory obligations, the same kind of things that, you know, we're talking about in our case, but at a provincial level, the vaccine passports, I, I think, is the term that was used. So the cases were dismissed by the Chief Justice, but the government in that case applied the same pressure and filed a motion for him not to hear them at all um, on the grounds that they were moot. And he chose to exercise his discretion um, to go ahead. And, and hear the cases. Um, we were able to bring that to the, the attention of um, uh, <coughs> Justice Gagne last week. Um, and, and I think that that goes some way to to helping the court uh, see that, 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 that that's an appropriate route to go. Whatever the outcome of the decision is, it's right to hear the case. You know, the mootness in Canada is decided largely around a case called the Borowski case. And okay. it, there's a test synonymously called the Borowski test and two parts is is the issue actually moot in in legal terms um is the first part and even if it is moot the court has very very wide discretion to go ahead and hear the case um in fact it's it's quite possible for a, um, a judge also to decide to hear the case before deciding whether or not it's moot um which in fact is what um um 
Chief Justice Hinkson did in British Columbia. So um, Justice Gagne has a lot of flexibility in yeah. how she approaches this. And, and hopefully she can see that this is exactly the sort of issue that the second part of the Borowski test is made for. This is where that discretion really counts. And, um, and you know, hopefully that's, um, that, that, that's certainly an option that's open to her and, 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 and hopefully, you know, she may consider that. And there was pleadings were all um, put to her in, in, in court and very experienced justice um, uh, who, you know, will no doubt think about it very carefully and come to a very considered decision. Yeah. Uh, well, um, what what are you looking for in terms of uh, from the public, for example, so that this case is heard in court? Well, we've <clears throat> we've been running um, we've been running a give send go up until now. It's still up and running. Um, uh, you know, to, to raise funds, obviously, the cost of these cases. You know, for many members of the public, they have no idea. They're very mm -hmm. expensive. <clears throat> We're going to be moving that all over. Um, just as a heads up to everybody, um, actually, I'll give people the dates if that's okay for the hearing. So if we're sure. if we're successful in our motion, in, in if the judge rules in our favor on the, mo the mootness motion, um, then we'll be heading to a uh, final five day hearing in Ottawa um, on uh, October thirty first, and that'll run until November fourth. So either way, if if we if if we're unsuccessful. We're, we're very likely going to be appealing this, um, okay. uh, which is going to be another cost in itself and another process. Um, every time you kind of leave the tracks and go off and, and deal with a, a, a different issue, then you know, obviously there's costs associated with that. So what Carl's been working on for the last few months, he set up, um, uh, it's a it's a charitable foundation. It's called the Institute for Freedom of Just Institute for Freedom and Justice. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to be transitioning every everything over to that. And the reason being is we 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 don't like relying on platforms like Give Send Go. They've been amazing to us. Don't get me wrong, but if anything ever were to happen, we don't have any control over that. Which is why we've also been accepting e-transfers, which are all listed on the Give Send Go page, and also um, even mail-in options. Some people have been mailing us checks and even cash. So there's those options. We're going to be transitioning everything over, including the e-transfer option, where everything will be going to the Institute for Freedom and Justice. Sorry, Carl, I keep forgetting the name. Um, and what we'll do, what that allows us to do then also is to issue tax receipts, because we've had some pretty large donations come in. And, and even on the smaller donations, people can claim, I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, it's up to about 40% back on any donations, right? Depends on their, their rate of tax, yes, yeah. but they'll be able to self-set it against their own tax. So yeah. if, if you're donating um, or, you know, we have people that donate every month, then that's that we're going to be transitioning that over. And that's probably going to yeah. happen in the next week or so just so people okay. know. But in the meantime, they can go to Give, Sing, Go, um, and they can continue to donate there. And it's the uh, the Canadian Freedom, the Canadian Freedom Litigation Fund, mm -hmm. Give, Sing, Go, Canadian Freedom Litigation Fund. Okay. Carl, do you want to weigh in? No, Sean's covered that very well. Yeah, and we, we'll, okay. um, we'll, we'll complete that process in the okay. coming days, and then Sean will be able to... Um, let everybody know. I'll be updating to, everything on that. my social media as well, and I'll also okay. be updating it on the Give Send Go page as well. And, but... and the and the Institute for Freedom of Justice will carry on supporting um, okay. uh, the the case. And um, 
and it'll do its work. So the 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 charitable foundation is going to focus on um, er, on education and um, around uh, the constitution and around yeah. uh, political understanding, um, you know, and also um, it will support key areas of uh, litigation and legal challenges where those challenges can support the uh, the, yeah. the, the the charter rights uh, of Canadians. Yeah, and people should know that we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna give up. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to continue to fight tooth and nail. Uh, as I said, even if we're unsuccessful in the mootness motion, we will be appealing that. If we are successful in the mootness motion and, and we go to our final trial and we're unsuccessful in that, then we'll be appealing that. So we're, we're not going anywhere, but we do need we do need help to keep this going. Um, yeah. And and anything the and, and everything that's been received up until now, we're we're eternally grateful for that. And the, the amount of support from Canadians, there's yeah. I mean, there's about six million people that were affected by this. Uh, essentially, mm -hmm. so it's just been the support's been amazing. Well, thank you yeah. to everybody. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, there's there's a lot of support for the two of you, uh, especially and of course Sam, uh, Pressvelos, um, and uh, and I only I can only. Uh, you know, I predict that support is only going to get uh, uh, bigger uh, with time. Uh, is there before we wrap up? Is there anything you want to tell our uh, viewers and listeners? I think we've covered pretty much yeah. everything. Just, just again, okay. um, look us up on social media. Go to the Give Send Go. Mm -hmm. um, and again, thank you everybody who's who's been supporting us and donating. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. And and please rest assured, we will continue to fight this too for now yep uh well on that note uh sean and carl um and sam presvelos who couldn't join us uh here uh thank you so much for bringing the case this far and trying to hold the government to account um a lot of people um support you and uh, i wish you all the very best with the next stages of your case and of course i hope to have you both back soon yeah well uh, look forward to we'll that see you in uh Hopefully we'll see you in court on the 31st. <laughs> I hope to be there. If not in person, definitely via Zoom. Yeah. Well, thank you very much again, Rupa, for everything you've done uh, getting this story out. Really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye.